Have you ever been rejected for a new opportunity? If so, you know how painful that can be. When that happens, our natural tendency is to make it about ourselves and assume that there's something wrong with us. But more often than not, it's more complicated than that. In this episode, my guest, Nicole Harrop, shares her story of struggling with repeated rejections as she tried to advance to leadership and the mindset shift that led her to grow her confidence and find a better fit. Nicole also shares lots of great insights on networking, self-advocacy, and confidence building. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Files. My name is Kim Menninger, and my personal mission is to help women overcome imposter syndrome and advance your career with confidence. Each week, I interview a new guest to share how they've navigated self-doubt to achieve success. The more we share our stories, the more we destigmatize imposter syndrome, recognize that we're not alone, and empower ourselves to access the tools and resources that can help us. Thank you so much for listening and sharing. Welcome, Nicole. I'm really excited. You and I had a conversation a while back for your podcast, and here we are. Now I'm interviewing you. I'm excited to continue the conversation. I'd love to start by asking you to introduce yourself. Yeah, Kim, thanks so much for having me. Our conversation on my podcast was so great. So I know today's conversation will be equally as amazing. Uh, Everyone, I am Nicole Harrop. I am a women's leadership and career coach. Uh, I have been a leader of different teams. I joke about being born and raised in a call center because that really is what I've done most of my life. Uh, So I've led different teams over the past 10 years. And what I absolutely have loved doing during that time is helping women advance their careers, helping them be more confident and uh, sometimes borrowing my confidence so that they can uh, jump into these new roles or believe in themselves to take on something new. And that is truly what excites me and why I do leadership and career coaching. Uh, I also work full-time. I have a part-time position as well. I like to stay busy. Uh, I have two young daughters, two and four, and uh, I live here in Utah. I've lived here all of my life and love it here in Northern Utah. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Wow. You really are busy. That's (laughs) amazing. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about your own career journey? You mentioned, I love the expression, you know, borrowing your confidence. Have you always been confident in your career journey? I haven't always been confident in my career journey, but I was confident in knowing that I wanted to be a teacher of some sort. And as I was growing up, I thought, oh, maybe I would be a teacher of, uh, children in schools and quickly realized, okay, that's not actually what I'm interested in. Me personally, I also didn't do very well in a school setting. So I thought, how else could I be a teacher of some sort? And uh, when I started working uh, down here in Salt Lake at a call center, uh, we were in our first week of training and we had all the different teams coming in and introducing themselves. Uh, So I got to know the training team, uh, a team that was referenced as team leaders, kind of those entry-level managers. And it 
just kind of like hit me that that's what I was going to do. So, uh, because I had that, that connection and, uh, feeling of, okay, this is how I can teach people is by mentoring them, by leading them in this role. So I was confident in that feeling that I knew that's what I wanted to do. So how did I take those next steps to prepare for that role is really what helped build my confidence along the way, because there were certainly a lot of ups and downs, especially at that company. I think I was turned down for a team leader position at least over eight times. I probably blacked out a few of them, but there were several openings throughout my career. And whether it was a mismatch with the leader, whether it was a mismatch in timing, whatever that looked like, uh, I kept getting turned down and I said, okay, I'm going to be upset in this moment. Uh, take, you know, a day to gather my thoughts and then, uh, figure out what I need to do to continue to improve, uh, that like resilience helped build that confidence, uh, over time. So no, not, not always, but, uh, at least I, I knew where I wanted to go and what I could start asking for help along the way to get there. Just what you said about being turned down eight plus times. Like I can imagine that there are people listening who have maybe been turned down once or twice and feel like mm-hmm. I'm never going to do that again. Right. It's like when you touch the stove and you never touch the stove again, right? Like there's yeah. a sense of not putting myself out there anymore. I'm not going to I don't want that rejection. I don't want to take that risk. How you mentioned, you know, the resilience piece, but how did that actually look like? How did you get yourself to stay motivated to keep putting yourself out there? Yeah, I think a big part of that, Kim, was again that feeling like I've always relied heavily on how I feel in my gut, in my core towards things. And if I feel like, okay, are all of these rejections telling me to do something else in a redirection? Is that a different career path? Is that something else? Or is it truly that I am not finding the right fit of that leader because team leaders and managers at this company, like I spent more time with my manager than I spent with my spouse because we were together all day, uh, working on different issues with our team, planning, goal setting, all that kind of stuff. Like you have to have a really great relationship. And so, uh, I tried to put it where it wasn't on me and my skills. It was, uh, not a right fit for that particular leader. And that took some self-reflection of would I have been the right fit? Was I applying because I'm excited about that next step? Uh, or was I applying because this for sure was that next right leader for me? And once I started having those thoughts of making sure that it was an actual right fit altogether, I stopped applying for certain leaders uh, because I started getting to know different leaders within different departments. And I recognized, okay, I don't think I would work as well with this person because of X, Y, or Z. Uh, I think I would do really well with this leader because of X, Y, and Z. So uh, then I started building more relationships with the leaders that I knew I would be a good fit with complementary and uh, focused on building those relationships so that when there was an opening, I could be eligible and that it would be hopefully uh, a no brainer to pick me, but, um, 
having those moments of that self-reflection, having a moment to feel my feelings. Uh, I certainly uh, welcome vulnerabilities and emotions uh, in the right place, you know? So when I got turned down, it hurt, you know, I, I put a lot of effort into that and, you know, putting yourself out there, it's a vulnerable place to be. And so I would take a moment. I'd ask my boss at the time, Hey, can I take, you know, 20 minutes and I would go sit in my car and cry or, you know, call my husband or whatever that might've been because I needed to feel and go through the motions and then, um, be able to ask for feedback and say, okay, what are things that they're seeing that maybe our perceptions, maybe it's realities. What, what could I do to do better? And because I, you know, kept standing up after getting knocked down, uh, it made me stronger and, and helped me get ready for the right fit eventually. And it was, it all made sense when it actually happened. There's so much about what you're saying that I love. And I really want to emphasize this point about looking at the fuller picture and recognizing that it's not a fit because I think our temptation or our natural reflexive response sometimes is to say, it must be me. There Mm -hmm. must be something wrong with me. And while I think it's noble for us to always be asking how we can do better and how can I grow? How can I develop? It's really important that we look at that full picture and recognize where there simply isn't a fit. And have you had the opportunity and been able to move forward with, let's say, one of those managers that wasn't a good fit for you, what kind of an experience would that have been, right? Like, would that have been what you actually wanted? And so just being able to create a little bit of distance between the situation and your own self-worth, so to speak, or how you see yourself is so Mm -hmm. important because there's so many factors involved in these decisions. Yeah. I often say my mantra that I've developed over my career is if it's meant for me, it will be. And I say that as a reassuring thing, because you're right. It's not all, you know, woe is me. What did I do wrong? What could I do better? Of course, those are important parts of it, but there are certain things that aren't meant for us. And even though, like I talk to my clients all the time and on my podcast about how, when I was looking for a job, uh, almost this same time last year, I was getting turned down for positions before even getting an initial phone screen. And I help people write resumes. I help people interview prep. I've hosted over 500 interviews myself. So like, I feel pretty confident in the overall process because I've been so heavily involved in it. And I still get turned down. I still get told no. I still get told I'm not a right fit. And that for me, instead of saying, oh, why am I not a right fit for them? I recognize that I'm not going to see that full picture, like you mentioned, that they actually aren't a right fit for me and my skill set. Yeah, that's such an empowering way to think about it. And in the absence of any other information, That's a reasonable assumption, right? Like we will tend to go to the darkest places in our minds, but more often than not, there are a lot of talented people out there. I am sure you could have done any of those jobs really well, but there were likely situational factors that made it not the right fit for either one of you. And so I think that's a really important mindset shift, especially for people who are actively in transition right now and are going through the pain and struggle of 
experiencing those kinds of rejections to remind yourself that it's, you're not the only variable in the equation. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So I know you mentioned doing women's leadership coaching as well. Mm -hmm. What are the kinds of themes that you see today with the people that you're talking to? Yeah. A lot of it is that first step of confidence. So I have five different pillars that I focus on within my leadership coaching as a whole. And of course there are a slew of different things that sneak in, but, uh, I kind of go in a way of confidence first and foremost is the biggest thing, because if you don't have confidence, you don't have that self-confidence. You are not willing to put yourself out there. You're not willing to see or recognize the great things that you have done. How do we have you start working on self-awareness or moving on to that next step of communication? Because communication may not be very great if your confidence is also not great. And same with that self-awareness. So I feel like the way I've set it up is kind of in a natural progression that the biggest thing to focus on first and foremost is that confidence piece and recognizing your value, recognizing your worth and what you have to bring to your employer or to uh, your customers or whatever that looks like. And then gradually escalating to these other uh, areas as far as networking. How do you network if you have no confidence? Uh, It may come off really uh, awkward or it may come off in a way that you're like, oh my gosh, that was so embarrassing. We've all had those moments and it's probably coming from that uh, lack of confidence in that initial approach. Uh, Same with growth mindset is the final focus, Uh, growth mindset and networking kind of hand in hand. Uh, How do you think bigger for yourself and how do you think that you're uh, worthy of additional things in this lifetime if you don't have that uh, foundation of confidence? I could not agree with you more. I think uh, confidence is foundational to everything else that I help people with. What, you know, obviously we're here everything ties back to imposter syndrome in my conversations. Mm-hmm. What are some of the, the biggest barriers to confidence from your perspective? Yeah. I feel like with women, especially feeling like they maybe don't have a voice or not sure how to share their voice. Maybe uh, they've tried to share uh, their thoughts or uh, an opinion in a meeting and it didn't go well. Uh, so being like, oh, see, that's proof that I can't share my opinion or I can't do X, Y, or Z because they put themselves out there and it wasn't received well. Uh, I see that a lot in my own workplaces uh, that I work in now and in previous workplaces, seeing women uh, hold themselves to such a higher standard and uh, thinking of themselves or that instance as uh, defining them as a failure or that was a failure versus that just didn't go well. And I'm going to do better next time. And again, having that self-awareness, some of that reflection of, okay, why wasn't it received well? Was it the, did I cut someone off when I started sharing my opinion? So initially it came on as a threat. Uh, was it something else that I was saying in a certain way or tone that came off as more uh, aggressive or anything like that? Having some of that uh, reflection can certainly help because when you are taking a risk, you know, you're putting yourself out there and sometimes we 
are so much harder on ourselves than saying, oh, it didn't go well. I'm going to try again next time. And that's what a lot of our male counterparts will try. And I, I think that's amazing that they're willing to say, hey, that didn't work. I'm going to try something else. Where as women, it seems that the theme is more often that we uh, prepare a lot kind of in the background. And then we are like, okay, this is our grand moment. Okay. It didn't go well. I'm no longer going to keep trying, or this was the proof that I shouldn't keep going forward. Uh, So kind of switching that around, I think is most helpful in those situations is figuring out how can I continue to build my confidence by having some of that reflection after a meeting or uh, whatever that might look like. Yeah. It's so interesting what you're saying too, because I'm going back in my mind to that touching the stove piece, right? Mm -hmm. ever shared an idea, if you've ever mustered up the courage to do something that felt like a risk to you and it didn't go well, that it's really hard to do it again. And I think that, like you said, women and men and women are conditioned differently. So if we do that, we are much less likely to try it again than men. They just kind of let things roll. They just have different triggers than we And so it's really, really hard if you work in an environment where there is a lot of toxicity or just sort of dysfunctional kinds of behaviors, because again, we tend to make that about ourselves. And so if you have an unsupportive manager, or if you work in an environment where you repeatedly get interrupted or people aren't respectful to one another, then you can easily experience what we're talking about and conclude that oh, well, I'm not worthy of sharing my idea when it's really a function of the environment. And that's something that without the kind of self-reflection that you're talking about or the the ability to contextualize, you will always make it about you. Yeah. And I love what you're saying there. And it reminds me that I often tell clients, especially when talking about confidence, imposter syndrome, uh, speaking up in meetings, for example, having a voice in whatever context that might be, is recognizing the traits of the leaders who do this well. When a meeting is getting out of hand, how does a a great leader uh, that you've witnessed bring things back? Uh, How does a leader handle when they are getting interrupted? What language are they using? Uh, How are they getting to a place where they are able to finish what they were saying? Uh, And then building those relationships with other people. If you notice you're constantly cut off and some of these could be your your close coworkers, uh, you could say, hey, after a meeting, are you open to some feedback? Uh, I always like to invite the option to say no. Uh, and they'll say, yeah, what's up? And I say, Hey, so I've recognized in some of our recent meetings, uh, that when I go to speak, I'm glad you're so comfortable with me, but it does feel like you're cutting me off at certain points where I'm unable to finish my sentence or my thought before you uh, start chiming in. I was wondering if in future meetings, you could, uh, be more mindful of when you're doing that so that I can, uh, finish what I'm saying, because I, I certainly value what you have to say as well. And I hope that we can always make time for everyone to share their opinion without feeling like it's so time constricted that we have to cut other people off in order to have something to say. Wow. I can imagine that there are some people listening that are thinking, I will never say that. Right? <laughs> That's such a scary thing because that I think that goes into the communication piece, which I also also think of as tied in somewhat to conflict 
management and self-advocacy, there's a lot of different layers to what you're describing. And not everybody has either built those tools or, you know, grew up in sometimes there may be cultural factors or societal factors that make it really difficult to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for, for people who are thinking, oh my gosh, I can't imagine ever saying that to someone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and I am so glad that you asked that because it, it can feel really scary. I still get a little nervous when I'm approaching someone with feedback and I've had practice with this for years and years. Uh, I think the biggest thing is coming back to those relationships. Uh, If you don't have a good relationship with this coworker, I would figure out how to approach that with maybe it's your leader. So let's say uh, I'm entry level team member. I have another entry level team member who uh, cuts me off a lot in conversations, but I'm not very close with them. So what I would do in that situation is talk to my leader, whether that's, you know, a direct supervisor, that next level up and say, hey, uh, I've I've recognized in some of these meetings that this person is speaking over me quite a bit. I'm not very close with them as far as like building a relationship with them so far. I'm not sure how to approach how to have that conversation. And maybe they volunteer to do that for you and say, oh, I've also recognized that maybe they didn't. So they're going to be more mindful. And maybe they say in future meetings that they'll advocate for you. So finding those advocates outside of yourself is also helpful. Uh, And if it's someone that you are comfortable with, think of a sibling, you know, or a spouse, we're much quicker to point out, excuse me, like you cut me off. I need to finish my sentence or you get upset or mad, right? Uh, Because we're so comfortable. There's those different levels of comfort where, you know, with my sisters, I could easily say I wasn't done talking and they would instantly apologize. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Where I would not say that to like a CEO of a company that I was in a meeting with for the second time in my life. Uh, so it, it's that self-awareness piece that comes in with the communication, the self-advocacy and, you know, having those conversations, building relationships, I think is the biggest thing that has helped serve me throughout my career is caring about people outside of the workplace and building those relationships, caring about what they are doing over the weekend, what fun things do they have coming up? What do they like to do for fun? Uh, building those relationships with the people I work with so that my day goes by faster anyway. Uh, and then I figure out how I can serve them and vice versa. But those are the people who, when I think about having these conversations, I would want them to tell me if I was doing something that where they felt disrespected or that they weren't able to say what they needed to say, because I was um, speaking over them. So kind of flipping the script and would you want to hear that and how would you want to be approached? And one of the easiest ways I think was, is asking, Hey, are you open to some feedback? I send a Slack message of, you know, virtual messaging and say, are you open to some feedback? They say, sure. What's up? And then they're freaking out. Cause they're like, what is she going to say? Um, I'll say something like, did you intend to cut me off when we were talking about this subject? I was talking about this thing and uh, I felt like I didn't get out what I needed to say before you jumped in to share your opinion. Was it your intention to um, speak over me in that moment? Uh, So then you're saying, was it intentional? Did you mean to do that? Because most often they're going to say, 
oh my gosh, no, that wasn't my intention at all. I was really excited about the topic. And you think about talking with your friends and then you're like, how did we get over here? We started over here. I don't even think you answered the question that we were initially talking about, right? So in our own conversations, we tend to jump all over the place and sometimes aren't aware of how we got there as well. So asking that intention piece so that they can also be more mindful about it in the future. And that can be one of those first steps of, lightly, you know, stepping into saying, Hey, I didn't really appreciate that you uh, were speaking over me in that meeting. I love that. I think that's such a great way to, you know, tiptoe into greater self-advocacy, really establishing how you want to be treated. And that's important to our overall development as leaders within the workplace, because it's really easy to, once you let something like that go, Then you start to let other things go and it becomes sort of cumulative. And so mustering up the courage, no matter how scary it might feel to have that initial conversation is really, it's a muscle that I think it will build over time and will be really useful. Yeah. And I, I really learned throughout all my struggles, because trust me, it was never like this beautiful pathway of leading to my, you know, success. Uh, I stumbled a lot along the way. I had plenty of times where I had conversations with my boss where he was like, Hey, you got a little bit, you know, heated in that conversation. And, you know, he's looking out for me and my best interest. So he's saying how that could be perceived and, and whatnot. But I think it's important to recognize how you want to, um, be seen as a leader amongst your peers and uh, kind of commanding some of that respect in a respectful way. Uh, So you're saying, I don't want to be walked all over. So you're saying uh, how you want to be communicated with, or uh, in this example, you don't want people to talk over you. So you're going to kindly approach that in however way you feel is best for yourself. But when you're doing that, you're setting that kind of standard of not being passive aggressive because I've done that in my career and it didn't serve me well because it's very confusing. Were you actually mad? Were you not? Uh, I'm confused. So I try to be very direct and specific. And some people say, oh, that's really blunt and that's uh, overwhelming or that's a law or whatever that might be. But I feel if I'm communicating in a kind way, how I want to be, you know, spoken to or communicated with or what have you, just communicating your needs and your wants and being respectful. Hey, how would you like to be approached in these situations? If this does happen again, if you are, you know, for the example we've been using, if you are speaking over me in a meeting, how, how would you like me to give you feedback in the future uh, so that they can be aware and that you're setting that next step of, okay, if it happens again, this is how we can communicate about it so that it's not an awkward thing. It's not an awkward conversation. You don't feel like you're, you know, smacking them on the hand or something. It's uh, that respectful communication of making sure that both of you are feeling heard and respected within those meetings. And I really want to come back to where you started with the importance of relationships too, because I think this is a much easier conversation to your point. Mm -hmm. You have a relationship with somebody when there is not a whole lot of connection there, or it's all business. It's really hard to try to relate to somebody on this level. And I know that 
relationships in the workplace come more naturally to some than others. I personally, I think that women often struggle in a couple areas. Number one is this, um, the feeling that I don't necessarily have something of value to bring to this person. And so mm-hmm. until I feel like I have something really important to share with them or to offer to them, I'm not going to it uh, reach out. Cause again, mm-hmm. that, that fear of rejection. And then the other piece I think sometimes too, is we're really good at friendship. We're not necessarily as good at building more strategic types of business relationships, especially with people that we don't necessarily like mm-hmm. or don't think we can fully trust. And so I often joke that, you know, we have the same criteria for our personal friendships as we do for our work relationships. And there's sort of this, if I don't want to invite them over to my house after work, then I don't want to voluntarily spend any time with them. And that's unfortunately not how the workplace works. We have to get comfortable being uncomfortable with people that we don't necessarily like or would otherwise choose not to spend time with. So do you have thoughts on the relationship side? Yes. Yes. So many thoughts. And I wrote some things down. So the value exchange, again, going back to self-worth, especially surrounded around women, uh, I would say in, you're never going to know how you can offer someone value if you don't start first having the conversations. Not everyone on LinkedIn is out there you know, saying, hey, I need this. Can you help me? Uh, sure, there is some of that, especially with people looking for new jobs, new positions, what have you, uh, which is really great. But you don't see general asks of, Hey, I'd love to learn more about this program, uh, who has experience and wants to mentor me. Basically, uh, that doesn't always work out because there isn't that relationship piece connecting them. Sure. There might be someone that wants to sell them a service or something like that, but then it begins to be, uh, maybe not as genuine of that connection. So I have always approached, uh, that value exchange is building the relationships from the basics of caring about them. Uh, Like I said, if they're going on a vacation, when they come back, hey, how was it? Like, what was your favorite thing? Uh, What did you enjoy most about your trip? Instead of the basics of like, how was your weekend? Good, good, real basic. You don't get much value out of that. So uh, maybe what was a high or what was a low um, over your weekend or what was one of your favorite memories that you built with your family while you were on this vacation and you're showing that you truly care about these people that you're building those relationships with. Now, this can't happen with every single interaction that you have because there's probably not enough time in the day to build these super deep um, connections with people. However, I I definitely recommend building these within your team. So the people who are to the side of you, the team members who you could potentially one day lead, build relationships with these people because that's one thing that served me well was when I was preparing for leadership, I was meeting with team members. I was mentoring them on different things. I was showing them how I knew where different uh, information was stored. And I was seen as a leader amongst my peers before I became that with my title. Uh, So that can be helpful as building those relationships. And they might, and you might eventually drop in, Hey, you know, how are you feeling about work? Uh, Is there any areas that you're struggling with or that you'd want to learn more about or be trained in or cross train with different departments? 
And if they say, oh yeah, I'd love to learn more about the product team and how, you know, new products are, are thought about or whatever that might be, you might not have the answer, but what you could do is then go to your leader or even talk to them. Have you talked to our leader? Have you talked to um, anyone else on the team to see if they've done that? Um, you're giving them options, which aren't your un- like knowledge or understanding, or maybe things that you already have in your wheelhouse. You're sharing opportunities for them to, oh, go talk to my manager. Oh, maybe I could even talk to the head of product. What would that look like? Um, and getting connected through your leader or other people within the department, because that is where you start creating the value. I pride myself on not knowing all of the things. I mean, I love to be able to be that person, but when I don't, I pride myself in the connections that I make because I know who to go to for that information. I never want to be the only person with the information because to me, that's not the kind of leader I've ever wanted to be. I want to be an empowering leader. I want to be someone who has resources to share the greater knowledge. So I say, oh, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And doing that for yourself as well. So there's that value exchange piece. And then friendships versus working relationships, 100%. I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea uh, and I'm okay with that. And I don't want to be everyone's cup of tea because that means I'm probably not sharing who I truly am at my core often enough. If people are like, oh yeah, I love her. Um, What do you love about her? And they're like, oh, well, like she's great. It's probably because I'm not sharing my opinion enough. And I have polarizing opinions in the workplace. There are some times where me and my own bosses can get a little heated in discussions because I am trying to advocate for something that they say isn't going to happen. And so I will get passionate about those kinds of things. And I know that that can ruffle feathers uh, in a way if I don't have that foundation foundation of a relationship. But uh, there are certainly people who I have not cared to work with based on their own work ethic, based on the way they treat their employees, certain things like that, where I know if I'm working on a project with them, they aren't going to do any of the work. But if I'm doing it, they're also going to take the same amount of credit as if they were right next to my side. And so it's learning those relationships and uh, setting boundaries and being okay with not being, not connecting with every single person. But when I have those relationships, I try to find ways that we can connect because if I'm going to be working with these people, I need to have some sort of foundation. So uh, that's helpful for me to say, like, I know I have to like something about them at some point. So I know, I know we'll find common ground somewhere. Um, And there's tons of people who I like outside of the workplace who I never got along with inside of the corporate world. And that's okay too. Yeah. Oh gosh. So many great things there. I want to go back and just say how much I appreciate your talking about building relationships with your peers and how helpful that is if you want to advance to a leadership role. I often give similar advice. And I think that if you don't have a reputation for having good relationships with your peers, or there's some friction there, that that could be a sticking point for people who are making the decision about whether or not to elevate you into a position that has leadership over those individuals, because it will be really hard for you to get things done with them if they don't see you as a credible leader. So uh, first and foremost, if you have aspirations of becoming a manager, 
really investing in peer relationships is important. The other piece to that is you don't know when one of them is going to become your manager. Right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't know if suddenly you're going to be reporting to them. And so that's really important too, to understand them well, to have a good relationship just because the dynamic might change at some point. Um, and, you know, I love what you say too about the common ground piece. I think that's really important is to recognize that people are different from us. There are people who are annoying to us because they have different values than we do, because they have different life experiences than we do. Maybe they have different struggles that we're, you know, the the person that we see as lazy, maybe somebody who's just really stressed out at home and isn't safe talking to us about that. So I think that's a, a really important piece too, is to just kind of think about what would allow us to connect. Even if we don't become best friends, what would allow us to work together as comfortably and effectively as possible? Exactly. Do you have thoughts on, because I know that people will always ask me this nowadays of, yeah, but what about making connections in a virtual environment? Like, what Mm -hmm. if I can't see them in person? Yeah. So there's that level of connecting with the people who you work with. And I work remote. I've worked remote for the last few years. And uh, that does take some additional effort because you don't have the leisure to see them right next to you. And you overhear them talking about another thing, like maybe it's a different vacation they went on. Oh, I've also been there. What did you like about this place that we now know we have in common? You're not going to have the luxury to hear that. So you're going to have to make additional effort. And that is something that not a lot of people do proactively because they're busy in their day-to-day. They're, you know, answering phone calls or whatever it might be at that entry level. That's what I focus on a lot with the people who I help coach are those entry-level people who want to become leaders eventually someday. Uh, But yeah, that's a lot of the conversations in whatever group messaging platform that you have. Maybe it's uh, Teams, maybe it's something like Slack, Uh, figuring out a way to build those connections with the people that you are um, working with. Uh, A big part of that is having your camera on in meetings. Uh, At my workplace, I always have it on. And there are some meetings where I am the only one with my camera on. And it can be a little bit awkward because I'm like, I can't see your reactions. I can't read your, your, your cues. Like I, I love to be able to see that body language. Uh, but I want people to know I am present. I am in this meeting. Uh, you know, maybe I am like doing my dishes. If I'm doing a one-on-one with one of my team members and I haven't eaten lunch, sometimes I have my computer and I'm putting together a sandwich and we're chit chatting because that's real life. And I want to show my team members that I'm okay with them having real life too. I don't expect them to be all put together all the time, right in front of their computer 24 seven. So it's kind of that give and take. And I feel like when I do that as their leader, they feel like, okay, I can, you know, lean into some of that as well. I don't have to, you know, be sitting at my computer and not leave to go grab a coffee or, um, to grab a snack or something. I'll proactively tell my team, like, please take an extra, you know, 15 minutes to yourself to go like sit and enjoy, like go sit in the window and like enjoy the sun coming in or something simple like that, because I want to have that freedom to do that as well. When it comes to networking with people outside of the workplace, 
I set a very low like barrier. Um, for me, I'm like an all or nothing type of person. So, uh, I'll say two people per week. I'll set a calendar reminder of, I'll say like LinkedIn networking and schedule it for like 20 minutes. Maybe it's even 15 minutes and I'll have that be an ongoing recurrence. And, uh, I will say, I'll go find people that I like on LinkedIn who are in either similar roles. The easiest connection is people in your similar role. So if you are like me, um, the people I lead are customer service representatives. Um, so I could go into LinkedIn and find any company. So what company do you think is cool doing cool things out there? Go search that company name and filter by customer service rep or, uh, whatever their team, like they might have a different type of, um, name, but you'll go find that and you'll connect with people and, and say something very similar. And I have podcast episodes. You can check out with these as well is having a message saying, Hey, I am also a customer service rep, uh, for this company. And I'd love to get to know more people who are in similar type roles as me. So I can understand, uh, really like what the experience is for you and how that relates to my current company. And honestly, I'd love to, you know, expand my network of people who uh, are really great to have within my own network. So you're sending an initial message. I always say to do the connect and then select add a note. Uh, It's, you don't have to have any paid membership to do that. You're just clicking connect, add a note. And that's where you're saying, Hey, we have similar titles. I'd love to get to know more people in these types of roles. It's kind of like these days on, you know, any social media platform, when you have an unread message, you're like, great, what's someone trying to sell me right now? Uh, So when you click on those and you see someone who's in another similar role as you, you're like, oh, this is great. I would love to get to know someone else a little bit better. And you can easily ask a question of, you know, I see that you've been there for two years. What has been something in the last six months that has been really exciting for you in your role or something like that, that you're getting, you're asking them a question about themselves because some people, even when I reach out, they'll accept my message, but they won't respond. So then I'll go and send another message that, you know, thanks so much for connecting. I'd love to get to know more about you and ask then an open-ended question uh, that's geared towards them because it's easy to talk about ourselves before we recognize like, okay, let's test the waters. And then we can talk about, you know, whatever it might be, but that's a great opportunity for you to say like, you know, what, what are other opportunities out there? Are you open to changing positions? Um, Are you working for a well-established company who's been around for 20 plus years and you're looking to potentially get involved in a startup? What does that look like? What has their experience been? I feel like so often in the interview process, we don't look for jobs until we need one. And then we try to fit what they want versus making sure that's reciprocal. Um, So then we get these jobs and we're like, oh my gosh, this, what, why am I here? I don't even like what I'm doing. Like, why did I? And then we stay because we think we need to stick it out for a certain amount of time because we don't want to be considered a job hopper and all that kind of stuff. And then you're like miserable for the next year and a half or so, because then when you start looking for new jobs, it's not ideal timing. And so it can just be really messy. And the 
easiest thing you can do to combat that is to start asking questions so that you know companies that you would be interested in applying for and find that next position before you actually have to by being laid off or whatever that situation might be. That's such a powerful tip. I think you're so right about that. I I think, although I know it's easier said than done because people are busy and not everyone is comfortable with this. I just think if you can find a way to work this into your everyday routine, treat it as part of your job description, just like you wouldn't not show up at your staff meeting, right? Don't neglect your network. And Mm -hmm. these kinds of conversations are so powerful because you get introduced to opportunities you would likely never otherwise come across. You get information from people, you get insights from people. We only know what we know. We don't know what we don't know. And the ability to broaden our horizons, bring people internally or externally into a conversation about where we are and what we want and doing that from a place of personalized connection just gives us so many more opportunities to find the right fit. That's going to be much more likely, like you said, you're much more likely to find something that works for you than if you feel like you have to, in a desperate moment, force fit yourself into someone else's job description. Yeah. And when you're doing that proactive networking and connecting, you're learning, Hey, what kind of tools do you use? Do you, how many like programs are you using? When I worked for a well-established company, uh, and I say that when I mean, like, sometimes they're very outdated and not with the times, like we had probably 20 programs that we were actively using to go do different things. Uh, what are they doing to streamline processes? Oh, you work out of six. Like, how does that work? Like, I'd love to learn more about, whatever program, maybe it's a CRM, a uh, different software that you're not familiar with, but what if you go apply at some point and they're like, oh, we want someone who, you know, knows Salesforce or Zendesk or whatever it might be. You're like, I know that because I've, I've networked with people and, you know, maybe you have a video chat someday and say, Hey, I'd love for you to like, walk me through what this looks like. Um, for you when you're working with the program so that when I go to apply for other places, I can be more confident in the programs that they use. And then uh, that also helps you because if there is an open position for their company, not only are they referring you and feel confident about that, they could potentially get a referral bonus, which is always great. And then they help you in return and they can give you help with interview prep. They can paint a picture because what makes you nervous in an interview process is you don't know what's coming next and no one likes being in that spot. So when they say, hey, first you're going to talk with so-and-so and then it would progress here. And these are the types of questions that they would ask. Uh, you know, you could ask something like, do they ever ask anything kind of like out of the box? Like, what animal are you or something like that? Some companies will ask. And so it's good to know those in advance. And then also obviously like practicing a lot of the general questions, speaking them out loud. I do that a lot in my car. Uh, When I'm driving somewhere, I'll be like, oh, let's practice this interview question. Because even though I do it a lot, when I'm put on the spot, it's a different kind of situation where I'm like, okay, I need to make sure I'm not using filler words. I need to be precise. I need to be specific and all that kind of stuff. So I'll, I'll do that as something for fun for me to fill some time too. <laughs> I love that. And everything that you're talking about, 
you know, going back to the beginning, all of these different tips and tools that you've shared with us all time back to that foundational level of confidence, right? Because it, you have to believe in yourself before you can go out there and practice some of these things that you have shared with us. And I feel like this conversation has given some really practical tips for people. I'm so grateful that you were willing to spend time and share that. As we are wrapping up today, do you have any final thoughts that you want to share? I think if you're struggling with confidence and you think, well, you know, they say have a foundation of confidence. Well, I don't have that. Then what? Uh, ask your peers, ask your closest friends or family members, what things they perceive that you are good at. Uh, what strengths do you have within the workforce? Uh, borrowing that, like I said, that borrowed confidence is sometimes really helpful because when we hear those good things that aren't often talked about proactively enough, I feel like I try to give out those compliments so people can, can be like, oh, I really am good at X, Y, or Z thing. Uh, so asking people about that feedback, uh, ways that things that you do well so that you can start leaning into that. Okay. Is that a strength? I never knew that I was really good at process improvement until I had several people say that as feedback. And now I say that that's one of my superpowers is being able to take a process as it is and make it even better. Uh, So doing something like that, as well as leaning into, maybe it's like an Enneagram assessment or the Strengths Finder, the Gallup Strengths Finder, uh, that can be really helpful to start uh, doing some self exploration. Maybe it's Myers Briggs. Uh, you can look into those things to say, what are my strengths based on how I'm answering these questions? And how can I lean into those things that they are saying are my strengths and start to believe more of that instead of letting that self doubt or imposter syndrome start to sneak in? Yeah, those are such great tips. Thank you so much, Nicole. Where can people find you? Sure. Uh, I am on LinkedIn. You can search my name, Nicole Harrop. Uh, You can find me on Instagram, same thing, at Nicole.Harrop. My website is probably the easiest way to find different avenues, uh, whether that's my podcast or different ways to connect with me. Uh, So it's www.NicoleHarrop.com. And all of those links will be in the show notes for anybody who is interested. And thanks again, Nicole. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. I will just add quickly that you and I met through social media networking because we're both mm-hmm. part of the same podcast accelerator program. And our, you reached out to me on Facebook at the same time I reached out to you on LinkedIn. Yes. And the rest is history. So I think we are living proof that it works. Exactly. Yes. Get out there, start connecting with people and you never know where it will bring you. Exactly. Thanks again, Nicole. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kim. Thank you for listening to the imposter syndrome files. If you're listening to this, chances are you struggle with imposter syndrome or other confidence issues too. One of the most important reasons I started this podcast is because I want you to know that you are not alone as an executive coach and former high tech leader. I spent years battling imposter syndrome. There were times in my career when I was absolutely sure that this was the moment that everyone would figure out that I didn't belong in the room. But you know what? It never happened. And through the years, with the help of lots of coaching, mentoring, and other resources, I've learned to help myself and others overcome self-doubt and advance our careers with strength and confidence. 
Understanding imposter syndrome is just the first step, but it often takes more than understanding to overcome it. If you'd like additional support, I would love for you to join the upcoming Boost Your Confidence Bootcamp, where we dig into imposter syndrome at a much deeper level. In a safe, trusted group of professionals who are on similar journeys, you'll get to learn, share, and connect in ways that help you overcome self-doubt and grow your confidence. Check out the show notes for a link to the program, or feel free to reach out to me directly if you want to discuss it further. Thank you. Thank you.